Our world is shrinking. Business is global and points to the planet can be connected at the drop of a hat. But for some, travel is about more than the destination. Rather than fixate on arrival, true thought leaders know that travelling provides a space in which the greatest ideas take hold and the greatest opportunities can be found. Instead of plugging in and tuning out at 30,000 feet, they turn to the window and engage with the world. So pack your bags and join us to explore. I'm Robert Bound and this is What Moves You with Remova. Today we'll be meeting activist and CEO Cyril Gutsch, whose Parley for the Oceans initiative is driven by a deep-seated love for the sea. We'll hear how his lifelong relationship with the world's oceans has informed his travel itineraries and shaped his career. Being in marine environments helps me to reconnect, helps me to feel why we are doing this here with our organisation. And with the elimination of plastic waste on the agenda, we'll hear how one island nation's ancient wrapping techniques might offer an elegant and sustainable packaging solution for the future. During the time it takes to wrap the item, we think about the person who will receive it. So even if we're wrapping a mass-produced item, we're using our time to do something special for the customer. That's all to come on What Moves You. Cyril Gutsch is an entrepreneur and activist based in New York City. His initiative, Parley for the Oceans, seeks to drive much-needed change, ridding the seas of plastic pollution. Gutsch liaises with leaders in thought, fashion and culture to push a paradigm shift. Away from an outdated reliance on one-use plastics and materials destined to become the ocean's waste and toward a more harmonious relationship between man and nature. He travels the world on his agenda-setting campaign, but the journeys are about more than just conducting business. They're a chance to build relationships invaluable to his work, absorb new ideas and test himself in the face of the unknown. Travelling has for me two different aspects. One is I go somewhere with a mission, I meet people, but then there is the exploration part. That's the other art of travelling for me, where I go somewhere to lose myself, to recalibrate and also to be in a place that allows me to re reinvent and question myself. Traveling takes you out of your everyday routine and it allows you to discover the new. It opens you up, it, it opens your senses and traveling for me is mainly about myself. It's about exploring myself and observing myself in new settings, new environments, in unknown situations. Being in a place far away from home being at the end of the world allows me to recalibrate, allows me to question everything, allows me to start from scratch. This hunger for new challenges and unwillingness to settle is matched only by the pull Gutsch feels toward the sea. At risk yet unknowable, it drives his work and travel, especially to communities living alongside it. These, he feels, are the communities which understand the real purpose of his work and where he finds a renewed sense of purpose himself. My personal travels are dominated by oceans. I love the sea and I want to be with the sea as much as I can. And I do love islands, especially island nations like the Maldives, Seychelles, Fiji, but also the Caribbean. I feel that people living on islands in remote places and by the sea, they have a natural connection with water and life underwater. A connection that we mainly living in cities don't have or lost and being in marine environments helps me to reconnect, helps me to 
feel why we are doing this here with our organization. The most fulfilling experience I had in the last months was a trip to the Maldives where I met the new government, I met the president and his whole cabinet, and we explored how we can turn this island nation into a future nation, how we can use a country that is threatened by sea level rise, how we can turn that into an example of how mankind can live with the sea. And now we, we formed this alliance with the whole country as an ally, as a collaboration partner, where we implement our strategies to protect life underwater, where we help to establish a new culture of coexistence between mankind and the sea. And I really feel that these island nations, these remote places, have a very important role to play. We can learn so much from people who live there because they relate to water, they relate to life underwater in a totally different sense. And that is a connection that we lost, especially living in these urban cities. Though technology facilitates communication over vast distances, Cyril has found that it's no replacement for real encounters with real people facing the issues he's dedicated to solving. When it comes to my work, I can get a lot done with Skype, FaceTime, Zoom and all these technical solutions. But often you have to be on site. You have to meet people and look into their eyes. And communication is more than just words. It's the way how you express yourself, your body language. Uh, it's, it's these little moments that you miss and also the opportunity of that medium digital that allows you to hide, that really makes it necessary to be in person in meetings and to see what is going on in different cultures. Of course, there is a big aspect of witnessing the damage and seeing how people out there feel about nature and how they notice that our planet is on a very fast spiral down. Gucci's work confronts a serious blight, but in looking for face-to-face -face meetings, he's unafraid of more old-fashioned solutions. Perhaps a similar lesson can be learned from the ancient traditions of one island nation. In his 1965 book, How to Wrap Five Eggs, Hideyuki Oka showed the rich and long-standing Japanese tradition of using organic materials to wrap goods with the utmost care ready for travel. The quiet elegance of the packing solutions he documents have inspired a new generation of creatives, while the use of readily available biodegradable material instead of single-use plastics gives the considered philosophy behind it urgent resonance in the contemporary world. Here, Monocle's Asia editor-at-large, Kenji Hall, explores what we can all learn from masterful craftsmanship today. When you live in Japan, you're surrounded by beautiful packaging. It's hard not to notice. You see it in major department stores, but also the smallest shops on narrow back streets. By beautiful, I don't mean shiny and attention-getting either. I mean the opposite, minimal, functional. Beautiful because of the attention that's gone into making what, at first glance, seems ordinary, but closer up, reveals exceptional craftsmanship and ingenuity. It could be a simple sleeve of paper covering disposable chopsticks a length of twisted rope crisscrossing around a wooden container, a square of cloth tied elaborately 
to carry a lunchbox. It could be a bamboo basket or a ceramic bowl, a leaf or even dried rice stalks. All of these things are in Hideyuki Oka's book, How to Wrap Five Eggs. First published in Japan in 1965 and then two years later in English, the book is filled with black and white photographs of traditional Japanese packaging shot by Michikazu Sakai. It's a reference book for Saiko Kato, curator for the shop at Japan House London, a Japanese government project. Kato, the shop's curator and a veteran of Japan's retail sector, spent two years searching her home country for products by the best artisans and designers. Kato has a favorite photo in How to Wrap Five Eggs. On page 175, there's a furoshiki, a square of cloth that's tied around a box. I love the page with Firoshiki. I often use cloth, not Furoshiki, but usually a thin towel-like cloth called Tenugui. It's just a rectangular piece of cotton, but you can wrap items of many different shapes and carry it with you. I like to give it to someone, still wrapped in the cloth. It's typical in Japan. I like to use Tenugui when taking gifts to people. I can just fold up the cloth after I've unwrapped a gift. If I were to give the item still wrapped in a tenugui, the recipient could use it later as a tea towel. Long ago, people used tenugui as diapers. It's a single piece of cloth that can be used freely in so many different ways. And the pattern or design on the cloth is usually something seasonal. I might pick a water-like pattern in summer to convey coolness. I like that such a simple thing can be a communication tool between the person giving the object and the person receiving it. For customers who buy a tenugui cloth along with something else, our staff at Japan House use the tenugui to wrap the other product. During the time it takes to wrap the item, we think about the person who will receive it. So even if we're wrapping a mass-produced item, we're using our time to do something special for the customer. Without having to say so, we're conveying the feeling that we've wrapped this just for you. And customers are usually appreciative. And I hope that this act makes them feel better. We offer the service as a way of explaining Japan's culture of wrapping things, of treasuring an object or a person, instead of trying to do so in writing on a piece of paper. It makes me happy if that customer later were to do the same for someone else, or if that led someone to want to find out more about Japan. It's a communication tool, a way of sparking interest in people who might wonder why Japanese wrap things like this. In the old days, Japanese used the natural materials available to them for wrapping, carrying, preserving, and storing. For instance, the tough outer paper-like layer of a young bamboo tree. It's the perfect wrapping material for rice balls. Bamboo is abundant and grows quickly. And because it has compounds that inhibit bacterial growth, it will keep your lunch from spoiling for hours. Once you're finished, it folds down, or it can be buried. It's biodegradable, after all. Many of the natural materials used in packaging and wrapping fit well with the climate here. Japan is a country with high humidity, and natural materials are great at removing or absorbing moisture. For instance, after rice is boiled, it's kept in a wooden container with a lid called an ohitsu. For Monocle in Tokyo, I'm Kenji Hall.
We've heard that for Cyril Gutsch, building personal connections through travel is essential to his mission. Through travelling, he's able to witness the damage done to the world's oceans and continue his fight against it. His only destination is the completion of his initiative, cleaning the oceans and harmoniously integrating economic needs with sustainable models of business. He harnesses creative minds, consults with governments and engages first-hand with issues, the better to find practical, enduring solutions. It's the work of a lifetime built on passion, intuition and purposeful engagement with the world. Often you go in and out, especially if, you, if it's your job. Sometimes you have to switch and say, yes, this is my job, but I'm also a human. I should allow it in. I should allow this moment to be a private moment. And when you're traveling a lot, you forget that sometimes. You're on mission and you close everything. You just go in and out. And I feel that you have to take a moment, you have to take a deep breath and decide that you are now here, you're present and probably you will never come back. And you should not waste that opportunity. The one skill that I really learned traveling is to be friendly, to be open and to not have fear. You just want to follow your instincts. That's all we have time for in this week's edition of What Moves You with Remover. We'll be back next week when we meet powerhouse designers Edward Barber and Jay Osgoby. Until then, thanks for listening. Listening.